You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to an instant reaction. I'm your host, Max, with Locked On Seminoles. Dave and Drake are elsewhere right now. Uh, Dave, who knows what he's up to? I know Drake is somewhere where uh, internet is not readily accessible all the time. So y'all get me right now. And this is kind of our first live instant reaction. Florida State, I got a cool graphic here, takes down Boston College 26-23 in a, uh, in a game that was probably more exciting then we thought it was going to be in the second half, uh, going into the second half, that is, or I don't know. But that's kind of something as Florida State fans you come to expect, right? So the way I'm going to structure this one, I'm just sort of going to go through. I took my notes during the game, kind of going to run through those, point out things that stood out. Um, but before I go sort of drive by drive, I, I want to talk about Jordan Travis and the D-line. They had phenomenal games. Um, guys, I... And I know this is sort of me, like, you know, giving myself credit, tooting my own horn, but in the excitement of a Florida State win, a win that gives them five on the season, we are now one Florida win away from being bowl eligible, which that doesn't get you excited, man. I don't know what does. Uh, I think back to 2000, 2018, when we were in this position under, uh, under Willie Taggart, we had just beaten Boston College, and it's like, oh, man, we got Florida at home to keep the bowl streak alive. and. Well, we all remember how that ended. And I think today watching that team, we just kind of feel like that's not going to happen again. Um, Doesn't mean we're going to win, but they're not going to go out there and lose 45 to seven. This team culturally, I think we have seen a huge shift under Mike Norvell, under the leadership of guys like Jermaine Johnson, 11 out there um, and just everyone fighting hard. I mean, you look at every facet of the game, even when it felt like everything was against us. I mean, refs, especially that's... um, that is something I will get to because, you know, I know it's like the, the journalist commentator line, right? Of, well, I don't blame the refs. I, I do. Um, I think you had a number of drives killed. It's not just penalties, right? It's the timing of penalties. And it's how, how ticky tacky are they, right? You're late in the game. You're driving fourth down. You throw an incompletion and you have offsetting penalties where, you know, we get an, an illegal man in the backfield, illegal formation. They get a, a personal foul high hit on the quarterback. So they don't really look at where that illegal man was. We just run it again. Then we complete the pass, same play, same penalty on us. And we find out it's, it's, uh, it's Jermaine or uh, it's, what was it Washington on the right side there? Lined up a little bit too far back. I don't know. I was trying to look at where his front foot was. I guess his split was a little, a little too wide for that ref's choosing. Usually in football, the ref will say something, say, hey, scoot up. Or if he's called for it, the play before, go tell the coach, Hey, that was on your right tackle. He's got to scoot up. <sighs> Ridiculous. Right. Especially on a fourth down like that. So I'm going to kind of run through the game, um, you know, three to five minutes here, just kind of get my thoughts out. We will obviously talk about it Monday on the regular locked on Seminoles podcast after we've had some time to digest, um, you know, some time to rewatch the games and all those things before I dive in. Thank you listeners to everyone who, uh, makes this possible. We just, again, had our biggest week ever following the Miami game. 
Uh, YouTube's really getting some traction. If you haven't subscribed, well, do it. Hit the bell. You get notifications and you get to see my two co-hosts, beautiful faces. And as the price for that, you got to look at mine. But hey, you know, it's worth it. So uh, starting the second drive, you know, one thing we saw, sorry, I'm on the road. So I'm kind of trying to figure out my setup, make sure my mic's well positioned so you can hear me. So one thing we saw a lot of is that double pull counter look. And if you go watch X's and Knowles, one of my favorite YouTube shows with Trey Roland, um, they break down tape. That's not really our lane. We've done it once or twice, but they are very good at it. And this is a play we've seen all year. We saw Jay Sean Corbin get a touchdown off of it against Notre Dame even. It's where, you know, we've got our five linemen, five linemen here, and these two guys pull over and then they both come around and they set up either um, a give to the running back or, you know, sometimes Jordan will actually keep it to that side or we start doing that quick pitch. We saw all three variations of that. Now we did something new with it. We decided to pass off of it. So, you know, this is a play you've put on tape constantly, right? You did it against Miami five or six times out of different looks. And you know that BC has been told, hey, when you see both guys pulling, watch for the quick pitch, watch for the give there. And we decided to go over the top. Um, Love that play. It it just very much shows Mike Norvell and Kenny Dillingham kind of having a good game plan, a good scheme. And another thing is they know that they are going to get called. Sorry, get called. They know that they're going to um, uh, have BC looking for the run, right? That I said it on the pod in the preview. What's the identity of this team? It's a running team. It's something they do very, very well. So they threw a lot. I'm looking for the number here. Yeah, so after four drives, two drives from each, we had passed 65% of the time. That's including Jordan Travis forced scrambles, non-designed runs as passes. So they very much came into this game wanting to throw the ball. Um, and we saw it work, right? Uh, first drive, you know, there's a ball tipped on the third down. Um, got sacked, didn't like that. Solid punt. Um, BC gets the ball. And yeah, I mean, Fabian love it. Just huge tackle for loss there. Third and two, BC runs up the middle, doesn't get it. And then I put this in my notes. We finally caught a punt early in the game. That is that's a rarity. Now, special teams definitely left something to be desired, right? Um, it just, I don't, look, I don't know if it's Papuchas. I, I don't know what, but they've, they've got to figure that out somewhere. I'm not saying, you know, our punting was decent today. Let's see. Um, Master Mono average at 39.6. He had two, I think, that pinned him within the five yard line. He was fine. It's, it's the return game, right? It's letting them have what? An average of 27.8 on kick returns uh, with a long of 45 from Alex Sinkfield. That's just inexcusable. I mean, kick the ball out of the end zone. Don't don't try to get cute. Don't try to get fancy. And again, when you're the one receiving, catch the punt. So yeah, then we we probably saw one of the better drives I can think of all year was that first touchdown drive, right? So let me see. Um, yeah, JT, good pocket presence, takes off. He grabs seven. Parchment. Um, Parchment had a rough day. Parchment uh, had two key drops I can think of. One on this second drive right here, 15-yard completion, little behind him. The other along the sidelines, that's that's something that can't happen. Um, yeah, so face mask had to extend that drive. JT, uh, just a great move down by the goal line. Was able to get himself 
out of trouble and then throws a strike to 80 who was able to kind of, you know, maneuver around a bit and um, dive into the end zone. And then the defense went to work. Um, man, we made Phil Dracovich's day long. And, <laughs> oh man, um, he had statistically, I think his worst game, easily his worst game of the year. I don't know if it was his worst game. I guess it would be his worst playing for Boston College since he's a transfer. You know, again, he, he comes into this into this game um, off of 65% completions and then 53% completions and then 75% and 66%. And today he was held to 41% completions, one touchdown, one pick, um, 148 yards through the air. I mean, just a really pretty abysmal game for him. Uh, I would not have wanted to be him when, uh, <laughs> thanks Jordan. I would not have wanted to be him back there. I guess credit to him for hanging in. But anyway, the other thing we figured out is that um, that he can run a little bit. Uh, there were a few runs he had there. And on this drive, I'm talking about, I guess, their third drive here. We had a targeting. Look, we ended up winning the game. We're going to get Jamie Robinson back for Florida. But I, I don't know. I don't know how you call that targeting. Um, I, I do by the letter of the law, but I, Something has to change in that penalty. There has to be, it has to be like first one's an unnecessary roughness. Second one, you're able to, um, you're able to eject him. But look, you got a guy and, and he did it later in the game, right? We saw Dracovic. Now people kind of have to give him a bubble because they don't know, oh, is he going to slide? Is he not? I don't know what to do. He's sprinting full speed, decides to slide. You see Robinson tuck his head, try to get it out of the way. It's not enough. He gets ejected. And that would be the first of many horrible calls uh, from this game. I guess second, the OPI was bad. Um, we see that quick pitch again when Florida State gets the ball back. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to go through, so I'm not going to walk you guys through the entire game. You can go, you can go rewatch called Nautable on that. Just trying to get my big takeaways going through my notes here. Um, yeah, a lot of bend, but don't break from the defense here. Um, gosh, man, that was... That was just great pressure all day. I would have liked to see a few more converted to actual sacks, but hey, that's what happens with Djokovic when, you know, you got a guy that's six foot five, 230 pounds. He's hard to get on the ground. Um, high level takeaway for the defense is that 11's the real deal, right? He is, um, he is very good at football. He's very good at rushing the passer, and we are very lucky to have him here. And he's going to be he's going to be missed next year. Um, but you saw some guys get involved, right? You saw McClendon get involved. Um, you saw uh, Keir Thomas, too, who I think is probably probably the unsung hero of this defensive line, because we're looking at Jermaine Johnson so much. We kind of forget that Keir Thomas is also really good. And I guess my final final takeaway on defense was. Uh, no, I got two more. Uh, one. What a game by Deloach. I mean, that kid played a tough game. The one where he threw an offensive lineman, I don't know if you guys remember this play, threw a 300-pound offensive lineman into a running back. That was a heck of a tackle. He was flying all over the field all game. And then secondly, staying on linebackers, we have got to do a better job with our personnel on the field at linebacker, plain and simple. I don't know if it's Marv as a coach or the fact that, look, you know, I love this team. I'm excited that we won. But we do not have a deep linebacking core because one of their touchdowns, uh, or was it they score a touchdown or did they just get like, no, it was a running back got him like 18, 20 yards into the deep into the red zone. But 
you got a running back coming out of the backfield and you've got DJ Lundy sitting there flat footed, trying to defend him. And I think it was third and eight. I, I don't know why DJ Lundy is the guy you have sitting in the middle of the field on third and eight. He's just not fast. He's not great in coverage. No offense to the kid, but that's just a, that's just a bad personnel decision. Now, some great decisions. Again, um, I like how much they went to the air. Jordan Travis threw for 63% completions when you take out um, two of his passes. Why am I doing that? Well, remember, end of the half, he had one that was a clear throwaway to burn clock. End of the game, same thing, clear throwaway to burn clock. So if we count his actual passes, 20 of 32, 63%, 251 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Yeah, just, just a great game from him. Uh, my other high level takeaway on offense. It'll be nice to hopefully get an infusion in the receiving core next year. Um, you know, parchment has his moments. He's, we saw it last week on fourth and 14, where he's good at kind of that catch and slip and get three, four extra yards, but he lets you down a few times. Um, Malik McLean, oh man, that I, I will admit, I got very excited about that touchdown catch in the back right corner of the end zone. That was, that was the type of catch that. I think we should all expect to see more out of that kid. He's a young guy. He's a freshman, but we should expect to see more out of that. And then final high level takeaway for the offense. I mean, just a really, really great game plan. Um, You won that game 26, 23. I think that if you, maybe some officiating calls go your way, uh, that game could have just as easily been 35, 23, um, maybe even higher again, bad penalties, came at bad times. There's nothing you can do about that. And overall, for the, for the I guess, game as a whole, the high-level takeaway to leave y'all with after these uh, 13, 14 minutes or so is we are now alive. We have a shot at a bowl game, which, man, I, dude, I, you know, I, I'm thinking back to like trying to remember that Saturday after we lost to Jacksonville State, just staring at the TV in silence and horror for a good 30 seconds, like waiting for someone to come on and explain why that touchdown didn't really count and we didn't really lose. And if you told me we were going to have a chance to make a bowl game going into week, whatever this is, our 12th game, so week 13 or 14, I I would have told you you were crazy. And here we are. And again, same thing y'all always yell at me about because I'm too nice to the kids, whatever. Um, It's because you have a team that doesn't quit. You have a team that was down, you know, 0-4, and and they kept battling, they kept improving, and they found something. You have a team that, you know, they come into the back half of the season, they win two in a row, and then they beat, um, uh, what is it, UMass? They beat up on UMass, right? And you're like, okay, maybe we can do something here. And they lose a heartbreaker at Clemson. Um, And then you have the flu game, right? The whole, I guess, school gets sick and you lose a, a pretty uncompetitive game to NC State. And you wonder, like, is this team just going to mail it in? You know, did we get kind of last year where we got the UNC bump? We got a, a little bit more momentum from that, and then we're just going to crash. And the answer was no. They fought hard against Miami, ended a four-game losing streak there, and they just went up to uh, a cold, shivery Boston College and were able to hold on for a 26-23 win. And now they got a chance to go bowling. So. I'm excited. Uh, in fact, I may uh, may have to look on StubHub and look into making a trip to Gainesville next week. I imagine I'm not the only one feeling that way today, but I'm going to let the emotions, you know, get out of me and, and see if I still feel that way in 24 hours. 
Uh, but until then, uh, we'll talk to you Monday. I'm your host, Max, as always. I'll be joined by hopefully Drake and Dave. Yeah. See you guys Monday. This is Locked on Seminoles. Go Knowles. Go Knowles.